WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. The next job for Mitch Daniels is president of Purdue University. Why does he want it? And is it good for Purdue? George P. Bush comes to Indiana to build a super PAC, and a socialist qualifies for the Indiana ballot. That plus Becky Skillman's trade mission and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending June Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. The path to a successful business has unexpected twists and turns. The legal professionals at Ice Miller are dedicated to guiding businesses along the journey. Experience takes businesses to the top. Ice Miller can help them stay there. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised. This week, Purdue University named Mitch Daniels as its next president. The governor will serve out his second term before taking the helm at Purdue early next year. Daniels was elected unanimously before he walked on stage at a board of trustees meeting with Hale Purdue playing on the sound system. He made brief prepared remarks in which he said he will now recuse himself from all partisan political activity. He also addressed the concern that he lacks academic credentials. I will have to earn the honor of this appointment through strenuous work to build the understanding, alliances, and personal relationships, especially with faculty. Many people throughout our nation hoped that he would run for the presidency of the United States. We're thrilled that instead of doing that, he's going to be focused on taking Purdue to even greater heights. Is Mitch Daniels qualified to lead Purdue? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, Mitch Daniels will be a high-profile leader with great fundraising ability, that's what you're looking for in a college president, isn't it? Well, that's a good part of what you're looking for in the college, as you know, in a college president. I mean, the question is, he, he doesn't meet the traditional standard for a college president. He doesn't come from academia. He certainly doesn't have a long-standing relationship with Purdue. Some people would have perceived him as an enemy of higher education. But having, but having said that, um, and you know, in the tradition of Herman Wells or someone like that who grew up with the institution, he's not, he's not it. Having said that, I don't think that that necessarily means he can't be very successful in that uh, position. But he's going to have to, he's going to, have to adapt. Uh, um, you know, there are other uh, examples of this. John Gregg did an excellent job at Vincennes. And uh, John Bradamus, uh, I mean, I know he had had an academic background, but 30 years was in Congress. And NYU benefited tremendously from him. So I think the potential is there. The, the, He's going to have to change some of the things he does, however, or has done. I mean, he's not known as a consensus builder or a listener. And he has a tendency sometimes to think that he's the smartest guy in the room. That's not going to be the case at Purdue. If he can reach out and actually listen 
and develop the kinds of relationships that he's talking about, I think he can be very successful, and that will be, um, you know, a great feather in Purdue's cap. But that's a big if. Certainly there are people at Purdue, uh, professors and others, who, who wonder about this choice. And, and he acknowledged that, and the trustees acknowledged that. But the trustees are thrilled. Well, they should be. I mean, this is a major coup for Purdue University. This is about leadership. This is about trying to find somebody to lead a great institution in the future. And he has proven his leadership skills over and over and over again in everything he's ever done. Uh, I think this is tremendous for the state of Indiana that we're going to keep Mitch Daniels there in the state and, and provide the leadership to one of the great, truly great research institutions in the country. Uh, and this is about he'll bring his skills to this job. He'll, he'll change things there, and it'll be major change. It'll be about measurability, accountability, uh, fundraising. Starting, starting with his contract, he said his c contract is going to be performance-based. Well, sure, and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it, it doesn't include that for his contract because that's what he's all about. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I worked in a, a university setting for five years, and I can tell you that there's a lot of uh, uh, people who uh, think that a president should come from academia, and which is just wrong because uh, t in today's world it's all about leadership and fundraising and the ability to communicate with people. He has all those skills. The people who question whether he's ready to do this or not are truly missing the boat. There have been rumors uh, that this might happen for months. We learned today that, that Purdue first approached Mitch Daniels a year ago. Um, serious talks began months ago. But backing away from this, did it seem like a good fit? Uh, you know, I think it's a good fit for many of the reasons that have been mentioned here. I, I hear he had those leftover Princeton letter sweaters that he needed to find something with a P on them, and Pepperdine and Penn, Penn State and Pitt weren't hiring, so you got Purdue. And they got a good baseball team, which should make him happy, too. But, but, but it's a fit on a more serious, uh, less flippant note, for the reasons that have been mentioned. I think it's a departure from the norm of 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. I don't think this pick is necessarily a departure from the norm we're seeing in large research institutions around the country. Erskine Bowles, familiar name from politics, former chief of staff for Bill Clinton, was of course president of University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Donna Shalala, now she also came out of an academic background, but at Miami was the uh, university president there after her tenure in the Clinton administration. David Boren at University of Oklahoma, John Bradamus was mentioned earlier, Bob Carey, another former U.S. Senator who had a very successful tenure at the New School and now, of course, wants to be back in the Senate. Right. Uh, so, I mean, there is precedent for this, uh, and it's becoming, again, to use the cliche, the new norm, I think, because of precisely what Mike said. This is, it's not so much about chairing academic committees about, you know, how you're going to yeah. teach the Greek classics. It's about Ringing the, yeah, ringing the cash register and, and raising funds. Will he be the sort of reformer at Purdue that he's been in state government? Uh, no, I don't think he'll be able to because the entrenched interests in academia are far greater, have far deeper roots than those even in the legislature and in state government. So I think Ann's exactly right. He's going to have to approach this differently uh, less blunt force and more finesse, I think, uh, as he approaches the Purdue uh, job. But that doesn't mean he won't adapt because he's adapted at every stop along the way. Uh, he's clearly capable of doing that. And I will note also that the institution has a history of doing this kind of thing. Twenty years ago, they hired uh, an athletic director out of, acad or out of uh, corporate America. Uh, at that time, it was looked at as an odd move. 
But you look around today and you'll see a lot of athletic directors are from you know, similar backgrounds. Purdue really was ahead of that curve. With Morgan Burke, and Purdue now has an athletic department that's in the black. That's right. Uh, all right. Mitch Daniels said this week that he reveres public education. Here's what he said about Purdue. No institution of any kind means more to Indiana today or tomorrow than Purdue University. It educates at the highest level the engineers, scientists, agricultural experts, information technologists on whom our state and national success disproportionately depend. Its research gives rise to the innovative new goods, services, and companies on which American and Hoosier prosperity must be built. I can conceive of no other assignment in which a person has the chance to contribute more to building the kind of Indiana of which we dream. Mike McDaniel, there's already speculation that he might try to privatize Purdue or portions of it. Uh, should people expect that? There have been a lot of rumors for a lot of years that because of the uh, amount of state money that the universities get, I think it's about 10% of their total $2 billion operation comes from the state of Indiana that uh, might be smarter for them to go private. The same discussions happen, the rumors about IU and, and a lot of the major research institutions around the country. I don't see that happening uh, in, sh in the short run. I, I think you will see him make changes. I disagree with what's been said here before. I think you're going to see more accountability. I think you're going to see more attempts to get students graduated in shorter periods of time. Uh, I think you're going to reward excellence. Uh, all the things, the measurable things that he's been known to do over and over again, I think he will apply some of those same things to Purdue University. And I think uh, academia will be better in the long haul, and it will be a better value for students because of it. And he is going to, I don't see him coming to the legislature and asking for lots more money. I don't, just don't see him doing that. I think he's going to make do with what he's got. And I think they're going to do a good job of it there. And I think it's going to transform probably higher ed all across the state of Indiana because of his leadership. One of the issues that came up around his election <clears throat> was the question of a conflict of interest. He appointed a majority of the, of the Board of Trustees. Uh, the, the Board of Trustees said they put it to their lawyer, and the lawyer said there is no conflict of interest because he didn't take part in the search yeah. process. Was there a search process? I mean, they, they started talking to him a year ago about this. It, the problem he's got with this is I don't think it's a legal conflict of interest. I think politically, and I mean it in the broadest sense politically, it's a problem for him to overcome, particularly when he's reaching out in Purdue, because when you appoint seven out of the ten, including three this week, and then they get up there and say they searched the entire universe and here's the best candidate, the guy who appointed them, it, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's not credible. Now, he may be very good at it, but that, 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 uh, that uh, uh, disclaimer is just not credible. He's going to have to change the way he does things, and, and he's going to have to change his position on some things if he's interested in the institution. And I've seen some signs of that already. He's reaching out on the immigration question in a way that he wouldn't have as elected public official. He's going to have to do it on the gay marriage question, too, because it is a research institution, and people don't want to come to a state that is anti-gay. So if, if he does that, he can overcome the 7 out of 10 people that he appointed and the way that voted for him. it worked for Dick Cheney when you have your own screen. Yeah, yeah and we saw yourself. what a great vice president he was, don't well, we? Well, he was, actually. Yeah, huh? um, he, one of the things he said uh, as soon as he was appointed was that he's going to quit politics. Sure, he has to. 
he's and and this is uh, today he said that that this was his decision it was nothing that Purdue asked him to do but he's not going to fundraise he's not going to go to the national convention he's not going to take part in any politics here in the middle of an election year well for some of the same reasons that Ann was just talking about because he's in a bit of a box if he goes out and participates in a political sense then he alienates possible allies going forward uh, the job is going to be tough enough and I and I would observe too Ann that I think that his credentials academic credentials notwithstanding his credentials as, a, as an able, capable uh, person uh, trump the suspicion of, you know, all of this nefarious stuff. You know, he's, he's qualified to do the job. I'm sure he's going to do a great job. I'm not sure that that conflict of interest question is really uh, anything that has any, any, any Except legs. Except that if the shoe were on the other foot, if this were Evan Bayh doing that, all we'd see are the headlines about cronyism like we did when we had other qualified people appointed to things. He's voted unanimously by people he appointed, Michael. Except three of them weren't? Oh, three of them he ratified. Okay. The irony is he may <laughs> drop politics in one sense, and by that the, the part that's attached to Republican and Democratic, but I would argue that his tenure in the White House and in the Indiana State House was merely uh, sort of a minor league proving ground for the politics that go on. It, I <laughs> yeah, know that's large. That I think I, I think the much, politics. Much, it's much a different rougher. kind of politics, but it, yeah. the stakes are arguably higher, yeah. and 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 the uh, challenges can you know, be the, just as significant. He, so I think the interesting thing about this, from that point of view, is that it gets him out of the Tea Party race. It gets him out of uh, of, of either campaigning for Murdoch or for Pence, which would with. make it. He would be uncomfortable there, yes. and on top of that, right. it would be exactly counter to building the kind of relationship well, Mike, that you want. Mike Pence and Richard Murdoch are going to miss him. He is going to wow Purdue University. The faculty is going to end up loving him. The student body will love him, and they will raise more money than they've ever been able to raise before. That's going to be a home run for Purdue University. One thing about privatization, he will not have to drive the agenda there because if you had person X, Y, or Z there, that's a trend that you're seeing, as mentioned earlier, not only across the country but in the Big Ten. And Ohio State University just leased its parking operations for $400 million. The, the, the operations of its student, the business operations of its student newspaper. I mean, everybody around the Big Ten is saying $400 million. Yeah. 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 He mentioned that today. He said, and he said the bookstores are already you, you, look, sure. you, can, you can privatize the operational can, thing. The question is whether you privatize right. the institution. The, right. the problem with the model of Cornell, which is what they point to all the time, right. is that this is a land-grant school, too. Yeah. And right. the parts that Purdue is known for are the land-grant parts. Nobody that I... No, yeah. was going to spend $50,000 to go get a degree in the classics from Purdue. All right, quickly. The other thing about the privatization we haven't talked about is that a lot of the intellectual property that's produced there uh, is, is right. ways for the university to raise incredible amounts of money without having to actually privatize anything. And that's the better model. That's right. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific poll question. In connection with our Ice Miller email and text alerts, this week's question is, will Mitch Daniels be good a good fit at Purdue? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, only time will tell. Last week's question was, should high schools offer job training? 63% said yes, 17% said no, 20% said I thought they did. To take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. The grandson of former President George H.W. Bush was in Indianapolis to do some political organizing this week. George P. Bush leads a super PAC known as the Maverick PAC. It supports candidates for federal office. He said he's on a Midwest tour to attract support and identify candidates. We have been focusing on what we're calling the Obama states. These are the 10 states that President Obama picked up that my uncle President George W. Bush uh, won in 2004, and these are states that we believe should be in the Republican column. 
John Gensenberger, do you expect that guy to run for office sometime? You know, the, the instinct to run for office runs as deeply in that family as apparently the name George does. So <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. Um, he seems to be worried about Indiana uh, being a blue state again. Is I, I don't see that in the cards right now. Certainly not the, uh, the way things are shaping, uh, shaping up. But you know what? It, We've said it before, and it's it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. It's it's an eternity uh, between now and election day, and it really will come down to the economy, and and I think in Indiana and elsewhere. So anything could happen, I suppose. He's looking for federal candidates to support. Who who in Indiana do you think? Might? I have no idea who is going to support. I don't know enough about the Maverick back to know. I know that he's trying to increase participation for people between 25 and 45. And that's very important. And I think he's a good face for that. I think that's important and a good name to go with it. Uh, this, this is a young man that's got a future in politics. He served the country in Afgan Afghanistan. Uh, he is doing all the things you need to do to make yourself known around the country. I look for him to be a candidate for office, not so distant future. Is Indiana Oh, up for grabs? I, I, it's up for I, grabs. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a Republican state again. Uh, I, I don't think that that's been determined yet. I think in Indiana is <laughs> still in play, and you can laugh all you want. I Mikey, will, and we'll see whether you're, you're still toasted. laughing on election night. Right, right. But they're going to they're it's, they're going to do battle elsewhere first. Um, actually, I think that there are there are three states that are still up to, as to whether or not they're going to do battle in, and we are at the top of that list. You know, the broader thing, you'd go probably talk to him because of who he was and the name and so forth. But the, the, my eye. But the broader story, the broader story, Jim, it seems to me, is we've, we've reached a point where the heads of big packs, you, even if they didn't have a familiar name, you might go talk to them because of the important role they're now playing sure, in, in elective politics, which is a change from four yeah. years ago. All right, speaking of change, here's something different. A Socialist Party candidate has qualified for a ballot in Indiana in Hamilton County. John Strinka is a warehouse worker who collected more than 450 petition signatures, enough to get his name on the November ballot as he delivered them to the state election division wearing his Socialist Party T-shirt. The co-director said he's the first socialist candidate to qualify for the ballot in Indiana since the early 80s. I think it's a, it's a victory for American democracy. Strinka hopes to unseat Republican State Representative Jerry Torr, an unlikely goal, but he has others too. And I want people to see what socialists stand for. And primarily, uh, the simplest way I can put it to you is that we believe prosperity should be for everybody, not just a few. And that's what we're working for. I'm fairly confident voters in Carmel are going to choose capitalism over socialism. Tor is unconcerned, but also not surprised. He was the author of the controversial Right to Work bill, and it's a motivating factor for Strinka. John Schwannis, is that candidacy meaningful? Uh, well, I don't know. If you want to get really picky about the definition of socialism, I guess a lot of the infrastructure improvements and public projects that we've seen in Carmel, the Palladium and others, could be strictly construed as, as socialism. But uh -oh. aside... Roundabouts uh, are very... Roundabouts, too. But <laughs> yeah. aside, aside from that, uh, I don't see much significance here, other than the fact he was able to get uh, the, the several hundred, uh, was it 400 or 500 uh, signatures he needed? I, I don't think, read this as any sort of uh, referendum on Jerry Torr and, and right-to-work legislation might keep, I mean, you got a real socialist out there. Will it keep Republicans from calling Democrats socialists? No, it won't because so. uh, it's, it's, uh, I think they think it's too effective. And uh, even if it's not accurate, then, you know, it's still, a, it's still an epithet in many people's minds. That's the last time we'll mention him. <laughs> uh, probably.
<laughs> you, give him, you give him credit for going out and, and trying to make the system yeah. work. I agree you know? with that. Getting those signatures is hard work. Yeah, that is hard work, and and that's that's a victory for democracy that this gentleman decided he wanted to do this and got the signatures and got on the ballot. And we've seen a lot higher. And he has no chance of winning on election. Day. And we've seen a lot higher profile, supposedly more organized candidates, mainstream candidates, who haven't been able to deliver those those sure. numbers. So that's credit true. to him for that. Lieutenant Governor Becky Skillman is back in the State House this week after a trade mission to China. It was Skillman's second Chinese trade mission. She renewed ties with a sister state and made progress toward creating a second sister state relationship. She also hosted a business summit and met with companies looking to import goods from Indiana. Chief among the accomplishments was signing agreements with three Chinese businesses that have plans to locate here or expand their business here in Indiana. Mike McDaniel, why China? Because that's where the markets are for the world's future, and she is the second trip there, and she's been very successful. Uh, she's talking about a wheel manufacturer in Elkhart, a uh, oil production cooking company, oil cooking oil Muncie. production company in Muncie, and a feather collection company in Huntingburg, and uh, which is an interesting business to be in. But chicken uh, feathers, yes, of uh, turkey feathers, chicken feathers, and they do all <laughs> things like make boas and all kinds of things. So uh, you know, if they're going to make those somewhere, why not Indiana? So uh, I'm she's an she's an incredibly <laughs> talented person to do this kind of thing. They worked hard six days. It's a short trip to be there and do the kind of production that she's yeah. been involved with, and it was very successful. Has she been an effective lieutenant governor? I, I think she has. I think she's got a very good demeanor, and obviously she's been successful doing this, and more credit to her, and I still am impressed that you know what a BOA is. Yeah. To, to your point, though, really on China, why China? Because China is the big opportunity. If you look at Cummins here in Indiana, a quarter of their $12 billion in revenue comes from China now. And so they are really showing the way, and you have to be in China. It's, yeah. it's good well, for us. She renewed the sister-state relationship with uh, Zhejiang Province. I don't. My Chinese isn't very good. Uh, but it started. Bob Orr started at 25. Right. No, that was that was Chilon Province. That's the second one she went to, and that's where. And they're going to have a relationship now. He yeah. started that in 1987. Right, 25 years ago. And and really, you look at the the relationship with Japan and what that's meant for Indiana, with more than 200 companies from Japan invested exactly. here. Uh, China is more dicey because of its government, but in recent years they've shown that they are friendly to investment. And when they start investing here, as they've shown in this trip, that's good news. And, and she has done a good job. I mean, the jobs and the, are very tangible uh, byproduct and, and the symbol of what she's accomplished. And besides, with six months left in office before she moves into the provost position at Purdue, I mean, she's got to have something to, <laughs> wow. to do. So, uh, and that's second in command, provost. Uh, yeah. okay. I think Tim Sands is the provost. He, he will be the Sorry, Tim. president. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. Mitch I'm Daniels like an IU grad. Uh, yeah, Mitch Daniels has already promised that Tim Sands will remain as provost and have a strong relationship with Mitch Daniels. There you go. Good. Yeah. I'm just kidding, worth. Mr. I've spent <laughs> Mr. Provost. Mr. Provost. Some of the proof that I've spent way too much time at Purdue this week. <laughs> Finally, was the Democratic Convention a success? The Democrats met in Fort Wayne this week, leaving Indianapolis for the first time ever, and there were reports of low attendance. Of course, there were no contested races and little in the way of controversy. There was lots of Republican bashing, 
Ann Delaney, will the Democrats go back to Fort Wayne? I think it's entirely possible. Everybody was very, very impressed with the facility and the downtown in Fort Wayne, and it was a it was a resounding success. And I think they're looking to uh, for Fort Wayne and other locations as well. I think it's great. Um, seemed like every speaker uh, took a shot at one Republican or another. Really, and and that never <laughs> happened in the Republican convention. <laughs> in fact, in fact, the Republicans never mentioned John Gregg's name once in the entire state convention. Okay, so we talked about the future and jobs and education. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, difference. yeah, yeah. That's the difference. The only thing they know to do is attack and whine about uh-huh. this. And Murdoch, of course, didn't mention Joe Donnelly <laughs> no, at all. No, all I did was talk about the future. Future, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He's back to the yeah, future. He's not look, in the future. Go look at the tape. <laughs> yeah. The, the Democrats seem to be engaged in, in a, a, a little bit of they, they have some pep rally activity going. They're trying to they're trying to convince themselves that they. Oh, that get out of here! <laughs> You're spin. You weren't even there. How do you know what it was like? Scott Pilaf this week. You weren't about, even there. Scott Pilaf talked about the new president of Purdue the one working with the Republicans in the House and the Senate. He's already given up on the idea of Democrats taking either house. Well, I do you think there. You don't know what the mission was. It was very exciting. <laughs> there is there is a recognition that there is an awful tall uh, hill to climb here, and there's nothing wrong with trying to rally the troops at this point. Now they have to bring real substance behind that, but uh, you know why not have a, a couple of pep rallies You're here? Not going to do it at the convention. Where do you do? Well, it? And it is true you haven't lived until you've seen one of those spontaneous celebrations. <laughs> uh, that, the ones uh, that the ones that are listed on the agenda. Yeah, the ones that are listed on the agenda, and you'd like have the, the floor director saying, "All right, cue the band." Yeah. 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 It's fun. So you think you're going back to Fort Wayne? I think it's possible we'd go back to Fort Wayne. I think everybody was very impressed. There were a lot of people there who'd never been to Fort Wayne, even though they've lived in Indiana all their lives. That's the thing that I think is important here to remember, that there is an awful lot of state out there besides central Indiana. Right. Why not take it around? I I hear they might go to West Lafayette. There might be a welcome mat for you Uh, there. You know, who knows? We'll see. Four years. We'll see. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, Josh Juanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash podcast or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Things can go wrong in a thousand different ways. Businesses need a law firm that knows the thousand and first. The team of legal professionals at Ice Miller is committed to helping put the pieces back together. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised.